walls claim him as an advantage. Enemy armor leaders give him a lift to the club, then buy him drinks. He creates a trail break through water obstacles. He is the most interesting ASL player in the world. I don't always listen to podcasts, but when I do, I listen to the two half squads. Roll low, my friends. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Two and a Half Squads. The only podcast on the net dedicated 100% or almost to the greatest game in the world. Advanced Squad Leader. I'm Jeff. And I am Dave. I wondered if we need a new intro. intro. Yeah, intro. Probably. Because we, we, yeah. we kind of do it the same way. We're yeah. It's episode 89 or what are we, 86? 86. 86. And, uh... There's something to familiarity yeah. that makes people feel at home and at ease. Yeah. And certainly our, our, our wonderful speaking voices do that all the time anyway. Yes. People look forward to that. But it's okay to have a different intro. Yeah. yeah. Let's think same about that. Same theme song. So yeah, we, we won't change the theme song. Yeah. I know some of the listeners were uh, started playing our theme song in an elevator, the elevator music for radio station. Really? And they, yeah, they all felt comfortable and happy when they heard it. <laughs> So really, yeah. yeah, I use it. I play it when I meditate now. <laughs> so here we are again, and it's so this is episode eighty eighty six. Okay, good. Today is Monday, February fourth, two thousand thirteen, and and Jeff and I are very frustrated with technology. <laughs> Jeff's more frustrated because he actually works with it all day uh, long. I have support people, and Jeff is the support person. So. Yeah. Bit of a difference there. It's not like I don't want people to get the wrong idea, though. I'm not a health desk guy. I am a computer consultant, and I oh, work yes. with small businesses, and I do a lot of really neat, high-end, interesting, advanced stuff. But I also do. It just comes with the territory. I got to do a lot of tech support, and people will call me and say stuff like, well, "You know, what do I do? How do I get my email open?" I'll say, "Well, click on this with your mouse." Which which one's the mouse? Is that the little thing that I can hold in my hand, or is that the big long thing? <laughs> they do not. I'm serious. <laughs> Stuff like that. Where's you know? I said, "Press the eight key." My what now? The eight key. The eight number eight it's between the seven key and the six. It has two circles. Making key. I, a number. I, I don't have an eight key. <laughs> Look again. Unbelievable, the stuff. And so, yes, so I do that all day. And then we come, and we, I try to set this computer up. It's the same computer that sits here every week. Uh-huh. I try to set it up. We were supposed to have the wonderful Rich Spilkey joining us tonight, and we can't get the technology working. Nope. And it's, so it's then we just annoying. Move to Plan B, go to plan Skype. Plan B, yeah. Yeah, went to Skype. Cutting out. Yep, kept cutting out. So then we thought, well, maybe it's, I don't know, something weird. We'll go with my... Apple, what do I have, a Mac something or other yeah. laptop, and pulled up my Skype, called Jeff and tested it, and every other word of Jeff's was lost. <laughs> it's just... And his picture wouldn't come in, it was still oh. spinning and spinning. And I'm exhausted. So I said, so what's the point of having this technology? Yeah. 
It makes me wonder. Why do they put this stuff out if it can't consistently work? Yeah. I don't know. Well, and that's, I mean, that's the kind of stuff I deal with all day. It's, and it's a never, it's an ever shifting, uh, ice shelf. Yes. Things colliding together and, and changing. And I just get everything working and then some schmoo comes along and wants to add a new feature or some new thing and it upsets the apple cart. Yeah. A lot of, I've had a lot of apple cart upset today. So really wasn't in the mood for all that <laughs> stuff to not go right. So, Fortunately, Dave came equipped for such an occasion and uh, immediately popped out the uh, summer Summit Extra Pale Ale for me, my first beer of the day, as as it should be, it's 7.45. So thank, thank you, Dave, for this. I need this. I'm drinking it, you know, Robin will say. I'll come upstairs after a hard day and I'll start, I'll make a cocktail and she'll say, now, are you, are you doing that to deal with stress? And I said, well, yeah. <laughs> oh, you shouldn't drink if you're it's to deal with stress. Well, when should I? You shouldn't, and it shouldn't be a reward. Well, what's what's the point then? I don't know. I don't quite get it. Anyway, here we go. She's not here. I'm still having a nice diet coke. Good for you, my man. I was noticing how crisp and clear everything looks now in, <laughs> yeah. in the world. My my old glasses were that dirty. Unbelievable. It looked like you got, got that, caught in a sandstorm. Oh, the, doc, the doctor was uh, really looking at them funny when he was testing my eyes. And, and I said, are, are those about the worst you've ever seen? And he said, yes. And I said, yeah, I'm not sure why I lived through that haze. They were just all destroyed. <laughs> Makes you want to go back and relive the last year. kind of. And when, well, yeah, think of the things that I had missed I couldn't see. And then the nurse, when they came in... Well, she was the lady that fits the glasses and does the order. Mm-hmm. Uh, they came in early, like within four days instead of two weeks. Wow. And I was like, oh, excellent. I'm going there today, right away after school, because I'm sick of these glasses. This is incredible. And uh, I walk in, and she saw me immediately and goes, oh, it's you. I was so glad when your glasses came in early. <laughs> so she's what, like, what did you do with the old set? Well, I threw them away. Yeah, and good. I, I, and then I... I said, you know, in fact, for for about half a year, I would sit on the couch and go, I'll bet one of my old pair of glasses are much clearer than these, just slightly off on the prescription. I, I should go look, and then I'll do it later. And then I think of it at work. I should check my glasses at home, my spare pairs. And then I get home and forget. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty pathetic, I know. You're old and you're blind. <laughs> so when I went to put the new glass cases in the glass case drawer with the old pair of glasses... I tried on three pair, all of which would have been much better options than what I was wearing that had gotten so bad in the last year. So the nurse was really glad. Mine came in. I'll early. bet. Yeah. Well, this is really going to um, probably improve your squad leader plane, don't you think? Well, I everything's going to look like wow. You know how they redo your prescription? Everything's a little clearer. Yeah. And I was kind of wondering over yeah. the years. Well, I used to be able to read the counters better down there. Yeah. And I didn't quite realize. My glasses were getting a permanent fog on them, and and yeah, I can read the counters again. That's nice. Very helpful nice. for your uh, red barricades. Yes, indeed. That you've got going on. Indeed. So we've kind of had a busy week with Squad Leader, but we can't tell you about any of it because none of our technology works. <laughs> we've just had more snags. We paused it for just a second. We had more snags. We were just talking about how none of this stuff works. 
you know what? I think we should either put the whole show into the cloud, including us, our heads, everything, <laughs> our clothes, our the, the rule book. Why? Why? It put all of ASL in the cloud. Let's go get in the cloud. And if anybody wants me, they can reach me in the cloud. Or let's just come back down to earth and just broadcast this. Let's just stand out front and uh, like on a soapbox, fashion way. Yeah, and that people come by and we'll talk about squad later. Yeah, they updated my iTunes and I can't. I don't know how to even hit. Yeah. Have songs played yeah, now. Yeah, poor Dave. You should arrow see him. To the arrow to the right no longer means play. It means something else. But look, listen. What have you been playing lately? What have you been playing lately? It did work after all. Oh. I, st I can't get used to that. Stop upgrading my program. That music, that musical intro to What Have You Been Playing Lately. It's darn good. Yeah. And what have you been playing lately, Jeff? I've been playing Drill Team. Tell me. Quite a long time ago. Drill Team, Drill Team. It's ASL Scenario A37. It's, that's the re-number or is that the original number? I forgot. I think it was reissued. Yeah, this is my original cop. The annual, yeah, because it was reissued as an official game scenario, perhaps like with uh, the British or something reissue. What well, was that originally in the original squad later? Originally? Annuals. Oh, in the the, origi annuals. the original annuals. Yes, not the journal. The annuals yeah. before the journal. Yeah, they switched the annuals to the journal, and uh, there you go. I, I never could make the switch. <laughs> it was too much for me. Too much. So tell me about Drill Team. Well, it's I, a I, nice little scenario, and I played it long ago and lost with the Germans. And then, no, wait a minute. Oops, sorry. <laughs> A38, North listen, Bank, wrong side of the card, boys and girls. Listen, if, you, uh, if you're running out of space on your computer because you, you've got too many two half squads episodes, this would be the one to get rid of. <laughs> Just delete it now. It's A38. It's from the 1991 annual. It's called North Bank. I have the changes that they put in it added in pen. You can see mine, Jeff, handwritten changes. Add eight concealment counters. See if yours has eight concealment counters. No, mine do, Well, I, no, I'm, I've got an old copy as well. Oh, of A. It doesn't have it. Yeah, you have A38, right. Yeah. So they upgraded it. I put the changes in. Where? When did they um, upgrade it? In the annual? In the... Um, in the journal. One of the news <laughs> in the... King and Country. Oh, okay. Pretty darn sure of that. Okay. All right. Um, so the version one I played, I lost with the Germans mm -hmm. against my old roommate, Gary Beams. And then Mark Woods wanted to play it. See, he has it. So it came, he picked up the British and the King and Country. Uh-huh. And he, um, I won with the Germans against Mark Woods. And I remember this one, both planes. And the first plane was, what, back in 92, probably? And it's tight, it's small, it's uh, fairly balanced. I think it's very balanced. It's seven turns, but with very small counter density. You're talking seven SS Germans, 658s attacking with uh, three leaders. It's a nice number of leaders for that assault. And two, two Panzer sixes. Day 8 LL you guns. you got your new glasses on. I do, but it's you, a... Oh, it's a bad uh, copy. It's a Xerox. Because yeah. I don't write on my originals. Yeah. Um, and so the British are defending. This is Osterbeek, Holland, 1944. Uh-huh. 
D-Day plus seven, the British first airborne Red Devils, and they were uh, four of those squads, two crew with three Piats and one anti-tank gun. They added eight concealment counters, and four, well, three leaders and a hero. One of the leaders is a 10 neg three. You don't see that very often. No. No. Wow. And this one came down to the last turn. I remember it's got an interesting setup where the, the German have to get across a street to occupy these three hexes. I think they were right near the canal or river board. I forget at this point, but but it came down to getting that last hex on that last turn. And I was able to hit the left flank and blow through there. And really enjoyed it, North Bank. Playing an old one again. Only played it twice in all its years it's been around. And that was one I played. Very good. And what have you played? Well, I, I actually did play. I came over to your house the other night after plea, after your pleas. <laughs> your begging. For a passel meeting. For Yeah, for a passel meeting. That was very nice. I had a, I had a very nice time. Well, um, <laughs> if you hear the pounding, Hello. That's, that's my wife. Who is it? She's building something from Ikea upstairs. Probably yeah. probably like an ASL uh, gaming something or other. And I think she's doing it on purpose. To get Jeff to come up and <laughs> do it for her. That could be. That could very well be. Well, so you invited me to Passel. You said I was going to... Uh, you linked me up with a guy who uh, who I would... Mike Rizzi the first play. time yep. you played Mike? Mike Rizzi, yeah, that's the first time I played him. And uh, no, second time I played it. Well, he remembers us playing like five years ago. Yes, and that's because you're one of the two and, half squads. Yeah, maybe, maybe so. I was just really another one of the listeners that. So I wrote him and I said, you know, what do you want to play? And he wrote back and gave me a couple to choose from. So we picked "Silence That Gun," uh, ASL Scenario 14, which I guess is a great classic. classic yes, scenario. So. Um, being as I haven't been playing much and not knowing Mike's skill, but just figuring that anybody plays better than I do, uh, I went online and I looked up for an AAR on this, and I found one. I found a very good one, very interesting AAR about this, and and it's it's a very good scenario. The Americans uh, have to move kind of through a, a funnel uh, to get to the Germans and either take the German uh, AT gun or the fortified building that the Germans have. And, oh, I forgot there were two options. Isn't yeah, it just you could go either way. Okay. Right. So, um, and the Americans don't have a lot. They've only got seven squads, and then uh, three three leaders and a hero. And the Germans have twelve squads, but they're conscripts and second second line oh, squads. Right. You know, so um, so it makes for kind of an interesting scenario. So I, I wanted to do a little look up, and the, a guy wrote it up, and he said, you know, for your, if you're playing the Germans, this is probably the strongest way to play them and the other guy said yeah this was brilliant absolutely brilliant way to set up so i went ahead and i just ripped it off and set up exactly <laughs> that way which was <laughs> was to set up both of the german machine guns on the second level fortified stone building with uh overlooking all the streets that the americans would have to cross okay and i set up the at gun right in the middle of the of the y in the road um, so it could shoot either way. Oh, not in a building? No, not in a building. Oh. No. I've always had mine in a building. Yeah. No. And so um, so I followed everything exactly. And uh, and then he 
had, had not looked up the scenario, so he just went on what he thought would work. Yeah. So I had this great defense, and uh, he rolled really badly throughout the game. I think he rolled probably 10 or 12 boxcars. I didn't roll boxcars at all. He probably rolled it 10 or 12 times. Broke all his bazookas and all kinds. He was just having a terrible time. But still, I just barely won. It got down to the last roll of the last <laughs> But I won! I won! Yay! Even with the best possible setup, you still almost lost. Almost lost. But it was fun. It's a it's a fun scenario. It's it's um it's actually three boards, but you really only play on a very very small section. There's very little overflow into the other boards. But it's nice having three boards out. It makes people think you're playing a big game. Right. When you guys were setting that up, I remember Lynn looking over, and then when you I said, well, what is that scenario that you need these three boards for? And you said Silence Head Gunner, and I thought, no, that's just on one board. Yeah, I'm pretty sure of it because I played it a lot. Tech, tech problems are just following us everywhere, Jeff. Hold on a second. No, no, no. She's fine. She's hey! Fine. Uh, hey! Am I interrupting your um, medieval Barbie podcast? <laughs> no, not at all. No, I was just, I was okay, just. Good. Thanks. I just wanted to know how you're doing. Because I'm almost done. Okay. Okay. Do you need some help? Very funny. Okay. You guys wouldn't know what to do. <laughs> this is about tools. Oh, tools. Yeah, we don't know tools. No. We don't know from tools. I'm almost done. Is, huh? it, really, is it a pain? Oh, uh, no. It, it adds a certain dimension that we hadn't really counted on. <laughs> okay. Yeah. You want, you want me to stop? No, go ahead no, and finish. No, go ahead and finish. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> That's life. The life goes on. Yeah, I think this is just perfect for the evening. Yeah, <clears throat> of mistakes. It makes me wonder what else could possibly happen. I shouldn't say that. I should look up my horoscope and see what was going on. So I played Silence at Gun. I had fun and I won. Excellent. That same. And that sounds like a, a poem. Same night, we had um, Mr. Stubitz and Mr. Holmstrom playing a game there. What was the? Yeah, they played uh, Brash. Brash Encounters. A Brash Encounter. Bob Holmstrom as the French, Mike Stubitz as the German, and Mike Stubitz won. Yeah, which is an exciting event in our in our club. Yeah, to beat Bob Holmstrom is, is kind Bob's of Bob's like the... He's a very good player. Yes, so and you know, fun. Mike Rizzi's pretty strong, too. Is he really? Yeah, I mean... I mean, he played... He, he knew he, all the rules. You know, I don't roll over any of these guys anymore. Yeah. You know, um, they, you know, once you start mastering how to sweep up the broken guys and lay, keep firing on mm -hmm. the broken guys. And <clears throat> Well, I also played Mike Lemke that night and managed to pull out a win with the Germans. Also in the last turn, this is Long Rage Recon, OA, Out of the Attic 27, mm -hmm. when they issued all the old OA scenarios in a packet from MMP. And it had, uh, just keep it kind of brief, I guess, here, the Germans have all these trucks, and they're in a forward position by a couple houses, and then these Russians all set up like three hexes away or something, and move first. So they're on you before you can do anything, mm. and the trucks can't move for two turns. Each truck is five points. All the trucks get blowed up good, and I don't know, someone else let us know how you defend that, but... 
They get blowed up real I good. didn't see much of a way, because you're so outnumbered. Three and a half squads holding off five Russians that two squads can get around your edges no matter what you do almost. Yeah. If you're, you blow a shot or two, he's right there and he can start firing into these trucks. And What was the purpose of the trucks? Were you supposed oh, this to was at some point... a uh, forward supply and security detachment for okay. the Battle oh. of Kharkov preparation for Kharkov and in 43, 1943. And so... Hello, we need this. Hello? That's the largest Come woodpecker in. I have ever seen. <laughs> and then the Germans get some reinforcements. And so in this one, really, I think I found... I went online and checked it a little, too. Someone said, I don't know what the point of this is. The, the, <laughs> the Russians just steamroll over the Germans. Yeah, sounds like it. And they did, to me too. And But there's a partisan group hiding in the forest. One of my squads broke, and so I routed them that way through the forest, along mm-hmm. the road, looking for the hidden partisan guys. Found them. Oh, you did? So that was nice. And Mike didn't blast them away because he wanted to try and keep his concealment in case he needed it to defend the road and get my reinforcements. So my reinforcements came up. At least I knew where that was. And then... You can kind of, you know, you're, you're bringing on uh, three and a half more squads with a vehicle and a tank. And so you can start to kind of push back now, if, especially if you've managed to save a couple squads from the original group. So you may want to fall back, meet your reinforcements. Oh, yeah. All right. Then there's a few more little Russians that come on. But the main point here, one thing, Mike Lemke had two Russian 628s route into an area where I was able to surround him in a turn. No one could shoot ah. at me as I moved toward him. Lost four points there. Then at the end, I had to get one more point by either controlling these two buildings, so you're forced to either control these two buildings each game turn you get points, or go for the victory point casualties. And so at the end, I just needed one more point, and I thought, oh, I suddenly realized I got this. I have two vehicles that can overrun... We did give the German the balance because it's 11 to 4 record pro Russian on Roar, too. It made it look like a dog. And I ran two vehicles along to vehicle bypass, freeze the last hex, surround it with troops, figure he breaks, can't route, I win. That's my point. Yeah. Or I get in the building, win the close combat, get the point, too. No way I can lose this. Well, of course, both vehicles are killed. On the way in, one by a ATR on the side and another by a close combat reaction fire attack. My men all surrounded, open up advancing fire, can't break them. Um, jump into combat, three squads to a half squad and a leader, can't kill them. Oh. Next combat, can't kill them. Oh. He kills one of me. I think it went to the third before finally I got that last point I needed. Yeah, And we had these DCs that kept going. Switch sides like three times, I think. The guy's placing the DCs or vapoed, and then there it sits. The German picks it up, tries to throw it on the Russians. They get broken and then surrounded wow. and killed. And then it was just a whole lot of fun, in summary. So Well, I'm glad you wrapped up by saying it was a whole lot of fun, because it sounded really hard. <laughs> well, it was intense fun. Hard. But it sounds like a very interesting scenario. I haven't seen one like yeah, that. Yeah, with the balance being so badly, I yeah. guess maybe it's not balanced, but... I don't remember how the die rolls went, and I guess if I didn't catch those two squads of mics, another player wouldn't let that happen. Maybe it would have been really, really difficult, but I think those German reinforcements have a chance to 
come back and do some damage. Yeah. So. How'd you pick this scenario? Um, is this in in order? Of, yeah, you know, working through well, the kind of. of. So none of the last of the old annuals would have worked well, or journal ones mm -hmm. for the night. They're too big. And then I looked at the winter offensive little ones, and then the uh, out of the attic little ones is mm -hmm. maybe the next thing to go to. Mm -hmm. Yep, to fill in the time while we're still playing the last bid. Yeah. Cool. And, and so we met last weekend Saturday early four to to ten thirty at night, and. Got through only three turns, I think. That's pretty good, though. But I, I really, Actually, yeah, I guess. I, I really realized this it has a real Stalingrad feeling to it. We had just stacks of guys, you know, getting vapoed, killed, three KIA, you know, flamethrower rolls really low, yeah, adjacent to you, yeah, wiped out. Just and then I'd hit the Germans with a crit on a mortar or OBA hit, and then wipe out a stack and. You know, just at one point I was just like, this really does kind of feel like this brutal. And yet, all the, all that death, there's still this huge battle going on. Yeah. And then we're looking up now to the reinforcements coming on, I think, next turn or turn 10 or something. We're on like around 7 or 8. coming, And, that get, and so now another 10 dozen s squads per side will be entering. And mm -hmm. they're bringing their tanks up. And they have these 150-millimeter tanks 150 millimeter cannon on the tank you know wow that when they hit you are KIA'd it's yeah. almost like so now I'm just trying to run away from those things I gave up the two factories I couldn't hold the factories uh. and the left side had crumbled I mentioned that last show so David gained three buildings there the two middle ones they got to get a total of like 10 or 12 to win and then but I'm looking at all these reinforcements thinking Gonna be difficult again. One thing we I realized strategically, Red Barricades, get down in the cellars with the OBA coming at you. Yeah. Because you get an extra plus four to five location, and you count the roof levels above you, each floor, mm -hmm. as a plus against the OBA. Ah. I got wiped out in that left side last time we talked, and mm -hmm. so this time I'm like, okay, down in the cellars. In the cellars. Just dig in and let that stuff blow around you, or vacate the building, but then he's gonna take it. Um, another thing we did, a really dumb thing, we played the fortified locations around the factories as plus four terrain, even to shots from within the factory, which was just way wrong. And we, we oh. corrected that Saturday. So what is it? It's normally just plus one for each hex inside there for the um, factory terrain, which is like, right, which is like tables. Yeah. Yeah, little furniture and yeah. tools plus one through each hex. So within the factory, you're not shooting to an exterior wall. Yeah, which was logical. Oh, yeah, well that makes sense. Yeah, and for some and reason, normally internally in a building, it's even if you're shooting to adjacent, it's plus three if it's a stone building. Yeah, right. But here, it, because it's a factory and it's open, but there's still blockage from furniture and machinery and whatnot. Yeah. It's just a plus one. Correct. But you were playing with a plus four. Yeah. So when the Germans wall, initially managed to knock me out of the edge of the building yeah. and they came advanced into the building. Oh, is Robin okay? I hope everything's okay up there. Suddenly it's very quiet. Maybe that maybe she's done now. Maybe she fell over. Maybe she hit her head. Yeah. Should you go see if she's okay? Um in a minute. Okay. Yeah. Um <laughs> I want to hear the rest of your story. 
<laughs> and so that is a huge mistake in Red Barricades to do yeah. that. But yeah. we figured it kind of balanced out because we were all getting some plus fours here and there around the edges yeah. and inside. Um, but I would love, you know, and, and from now on we're doing it the right way and there's plenty of turns left. Yeah. And I think I'm going to retake one of those factories because a couple lucky mortar hits in there mm-hmm. and a lot of Germans were killed <laughs> in the middle. And I think they need the reinforcements elsewhere too. There's a lot of pressure on them. Casualties are just flying off the board. What are, how are the snipers doing? Are they being effective? Not, not much for having a high number like yeah. that. We get a lot of a lot of them come up and we can't roll one or two. Actually. Oh, okay. Yeah. So we'll talk about the Red Barricades terrain tonight, continuing what yes, we started we with 85. Yep. yep. Alright, well, that's enough talk about squad leader. Let's, no, uh, it's not. Hey, oh, Oh, you mean there's more? Yeah, it's never too much okay. ASL talk. No, you're right. Listeners at home, you can just pause now and, and uh, go have dinner, and then come back and hit play again. Yeah. And here we are, finishing the show. Because now we're going to be talking about rules. Red barricades, kind of mostly, but some of yeah. these apply to multiple things. Yeah. And, I, you know, you gave me, uh, or we decided I would pick a section of the rules, even though I'm not playing Red Barricades. I know how to read rules. I know. Yeah. But um, it really occurred to me, and I, it never ceases to amaze me, and for, at risk of repeating myself again and again, never ceases to amaze me how amazing it is the amount of work that must have gone into preparing Red Barricades. Yep. Just going through one little section like I took was just amazing, the, the amount of thought that goes into it, and you know, you have to incorporate all the rules. You have to, you have to remember everything. You have to know everything. Yep. I mean, that's just incredible. So, you gave me really interesting ones to do too. Culverts. Culverts. They're actually they're a lot more fascinating than you might think. So the culvert, and have you encountered we, a lot of culverts? We have not entered them yet. No. Oh, okay. All right. Well, I'll tell you all about it. Yes, please. A do. culvert is uh, essentially. A subterranean gully so it acts a lot like a gully except it's underground and being subterranean um, you know there are a lot of other things that are subterranean like cellars and uh, caves and subway so <laughs> subways yes um, cellars did I say cellars already I don't even know I don't know yeah <laughs> I got a short-term <laughs> memory problem so they're so they play a lot, a lot like that, but um, they are uh, open ground. Okay, to shoot in. They are considered open ground. Uh, a unit in a culvert is placed beneath a culvert counter, like a sewer counter. Yes. yes. Okay. Yeah. Or and cellar counter. And yeah. they're marked on the board with uh, thick dashed lines. Dotted line. I think dotted, I remember dotted that lines. Yeah. Uh, dashed lines. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now in a culvert, there's no overstacking. Which makes sense. It's going to be crowded in there. Okay. And there's line of sight only to adjacent gully or culvert hexes. Okay. Even Which makes sense also. Whatever's beyond that, you just can't see it. Right. Yeah, only to adjacent. Okay. Anything beyond that, you can't see it. Um, and all the usual subterranean rules apply. Now, it's interesting that uh, snipers... Do you think snipers can hit somebody I would in a culvert? I think no... But a culvert's not that long, usually, like a, a sewer, so it's possible? Yeah. No, they're non, non-targets. Okay. Not-targets. 
So can you name the one subterranean uh, terrain feature where snipers can hit? Uh, big stalagmites that grow <laughs> under there? Uh, where you <laughs> The opening. A the squad entrance. could be a target if it's in this subterranean hex. The entrance hex? No, actually, no. Caves. Oh, other terrain types. Yeah. Yeah, cave, yeah. I don't know why that is. Not the cave complex, but the cave. But the cave. Yes, yeah. Yeah. So a sniper can hit somebody in a cave. That's that's kind of wild to me. But not in a culvert, so you're in a culvert. Now, culvert, in when you enter a culvert, you don't change your elevation any. So it's not like when you go into a gully, you know, you go down, it's a minus one. Yes. Um, the uh, sewers certainly elevation. are, yeah. too, and tunnels. Mm-hmm. But a culvert is really just an extension of a gully that's covered. So if you think of oh, a gully going yeah. along in the ground and then... And then somebody needs to have a road go over. They would put like a concrete culvert in so that the gully can continue under the road. Right. And then out the other side or, or whatever. Right. So as you go into the into the culvert, you're just moving from a gully into this covered area. Um, unit, as I say, units can only enter from adjacent locations. So from gully locations or adjacent culvert locations. Vehicles, cavalry, horses, mounted cycles? No. No. Okay. You're going to hit your head. <laughs> if you try to go in, you're going to hit your head. So you got to dismount. And, uh, of course, you can't carry a vehicle or a horse in through there. <laughs> no. Unless you saw them up, which is ugly. But you can carry, uh, you can actually port in your cycles. So if you can, you can carry your cycles into a culvert. Or, or I suppose if it's a motorcycle, you'd just be pushing, pushing it, through. it through. Yeah. And then, uh, of course, when you get out the other side, you can mount again. Um, infantry and AT guns that are small target. Allowed, I'm guessing. They are allowed. Small. They are allowed to portage <clears throat> and to set up. Now, I don't know. Would you set up a very small infantry gun or an AT gun in a culvert yeah. to shoot an adjacent culvert hex? Yeah, I'll bet those were big. No, I would not, but... Cover your ears. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, mortars, too. Right. Uh, small it's too limited of borders. Too limited of a area of cover. Yeah. To, I mean, you know, line of sight too limited. Yeah. So, but I don't know why you would, but you can. Mortars may not fire from in a culvert, and indirect fire does not affect units in a culvert. So oh, you're OBA coming in doesn't affect mortar. You safe fire right. You're safe. You can't enter sideways. Yeah. Right. So if you're like me and you just like to run and hide, that's the place to go. (laughs) (laughs) That's just the way it is. If you, um, you can see the, at the end of a culvert, there is a, um, the hex, there's a, there's a round figure on the, on the hex that represents the entrance to the culvert. So that's like the, the round entrance. But where that, where you see that round uh, symbol that is not a culvert hex. Okay, because when you said that's round, just the entrance. Round figure, I thought maybe it was Santa Claus or something. <laughs> no, roundy coming. No, out. okay, but you could. I don't know. Red barricades with Santa Claus might add a new dimension. <laughs> here comes Santa Claus. Here comes Santa Claus. Right down Santa Claus Lane. He's got a bag that's filled with toys for boys and girls again. Hear those sleigh bells jingle jangle, oh what a beautiful sight. So jump in bed and cover your head, cause Santa Claus comes tonight. 
More beer. You know, my son said the coolest thing the other day. What did he say? Dad, if I had a million dollars, you know what I'd do? No, what, son? I would reconstruct our snow village in, in life size, and then I could walk around in it. That would be awesome. <laughs> That's great. Is that kind of cool? Yeah. <laughs> Back to I'm, looking, I'm looking forward to that. That's it. Oh, that's easy. And do they sell butter burgers at Culver's? Yeah, that's Culver's, and yes. So Culver's are not that hard. Uh, also covered, oh, should I talk about storage tanks, or you want to talk about um, Well, why don't I jump in with some yeah. seller rules? Uh, we covered sewers and tunnels last time. Yeah, and have you, you've used the sewers and the tunnels a lot in your place. So well, far? We, shame on us. Right. We've been wanting to use the sewers. I had a great tunnel move. I came up behind, uh, across the street. Dave was having this assault. It was the left flank was starting to crumble. I came up the tunnel, got the close combat, neg two concealed, neg one stealthy, should have had the ambush, but of course, blew the ambush roll with a six, and he won the combat. Oh. And I was really excited. If I could have helped come up there, wiped out three squads, and yeah. be sitting adjacent to oh, three more, beautiful. with me, the others of me across the street, Perfect setup to freak him out. He has been hitting a lot of my little mines. And the other cool thing I wanted to say, forgot until you asked that, was in the factory, he had three 838s next to a, a group of my Russians. They fired double up. We were done doing the point, I mean, the plus one terrain instead of the mistaken plus four we mentioned. Okay. So I hit them all, he rolled poorly, they all broke. And if I could have moved to come up the top, the sewer, three hexes away, I would have popped up next to a bunch of broken Germans, behind an interior wall, some of these factories have interior walls, mm -hmm. that would protect me. Pop up next to his broken guys, DMing them all. Right. Right? Advancer firing on them. Right. Then would come the route phase. And they couldn't route. Or Those guys could, but the other three that were to, like, my right flank, yeah. where I broke them with a different stack of guys, would have to route away, and guess where the only place they would route to would be next to those... Um, oh, they'd be eliminated for failure to route, because yeah. I would have popped up behind them. Yeah. And I was so... I looked at this one. Oh, my gosh. I have a chance to eliminate three eight three eights for failure to route by coming through the sewer. Yeah. And DM these other guys... And he got a sniper check, and it, he actually got a result. And it pinned my only squad that ended up left after defensive fire. That would be... No, it wasn't after defensive fire. Anyway, he pinned the only guy I had that could have moved through there. Now, my mistake in getting excited was, as we talked about last time, the sewer, you use all your movement to go down. Then you move through it. So it's actually two movement phases. So right. I would not have been able to pop up behind the guys and, and catch them in the route, but that feasibly could happen. And in other cases, and uh, you can always pop up on broken guys. Yeah. So we're starting to use that more now. So you'll that was like, you'll have time. the rules down pretty good when you're done. Yeah, we're going to. Yeah. We are going to, honestly. It's yeah. just, you know, you're doing the same kind of rules and system uh, over and over and over again with friends, helping clarify things. They remember things you forgot from, yeah. from last week. So it is a really good teaching thing. Yeah. Uh, so... Sellers, I thought we'd look at. Only uh, closed top, fully tracked, button-up, armor-finding vehicles 
without riders may enter a building and it costs a half of their movement points. Now I'm doing the basic seller rules. So this applies to any game, not Red Barricades, not okay. just Red Barricades. Yeah. And that's at half a movement point costs, quarter if it's an old, plus a quarter if you're overrunning someone in a building. And then the seller's part comes in here. You make a bog check, and it's plus three, plus four of stone building. Mm -hmm. And if you get a less than or equal to a zero on a color die roll, that equals rubble. Okay, neg one if wooden building, single and single story per oh, case. Okay, that's how you get down to the zero. Yeah, only for the rubble purposes. Now rubbling a single story equals no effect on the occupants. Upper level um, equals a rule reference, 24.11, which I didn't write out here for tonight. Yeah. But if you have a greater than or equal to 6 on that die roll, the vehicle falls in the cellar. So that's your basic cellar rules. And then you remove the armor finder vehicle. It's eliminated. If the crew survives, you roll when it's eliminated, crew survival, you place it in ground hex subject to a hazardous neg 2 during that phase. You don't put them in the cellar? No, because okay. this is the basic cellar rules. Yeah. And there were no cellar counters in those days when they wrote the starting up rule book, mm -hmm. right? So you would just leave them at ground hex, pretend the tank fell in the cellar and it's yeah. gone, do crew survival, and then there's the guys in there. Okay. Now those rules became much more advanced with the addition of red barricades, publication of red barricades. And so these are all now rules in addition to the red barricade, uh, the normal cell rules. And that was one reason we we screwed up that terrain modifier and the factory thing mm -hmm. was in the original factory rules, it talked about the plus one through it and from inside it. Yeah. And then in the other set of rules, it talked about the fortifications and blah, blah, blah. And it referred back to the original rules, which we didn't go back and look at. Ah. So I wish they would have just... If you're going to redo sellers, re, you know, add in the parts Put the from original stuff the in original there. rule book yeah. in addition to the Red Barricades editions. Yeah. So it's all in one location. Right. So we're flipping back and forth. And so the Red Barricade sellers, rule 6.1, all multi-hex, non-factories, and a Red Barricades map have a seller at a level neg 1, as you were talking about. Yeah. Now. So it's beneath the sewer, if there's any sewer around there. So not, there's a lot of single-story buildings. They don't have the cellars. So you got to be in these multi-hex ones, and they can't be factories. And they all have cellars? Multi-hex? Non-factory? They all have cellars? Yep, and if you look at that board, it's going to be all your medium-sized buildings. Okay. Because the large ones are factories, the little ones are single-hex. Yeah. And so... And they have cellars in both hexes or all three hex, whatever yes, the building is. Yes, it's a two is. or yeah. three yeah, okay. hex building. Now, that's a separate location, and it's fortified. So you get this extra plus one I mentioned earlier. So just the cellar's fortified. The building isn't. Correct. Just okay. the cellar. Um, now you can breach a wall between two cellar locations if they're in the same two-hex building. Okay. Between them is a wall. Yeah. You can breach that uh, following the normal rules. If it's a uh, if it's a black bar wall, you know, the... Like in the row house. Um, row houses. Thank yeah. you. Right, then this, that goes down to the cellar. Okay. Now, only infantry and a support weapon can be 
use and be placed beneath the sewer counter. So it's the cellar. Uh, uh, oh, I wrote sewer, but I meant cellar. Yeah. Right. Okay. Uh, you enter the cellar by a stairwell, which is just not really, you know, it's just normal, up and down. Yeah. Or a, a sewer connecting to a oh. cellar. It would have the little manhole symbol on mm -hmm. it, and it would be, again, running underneath it, so you can come up to it. Okay. Or a connecting trench or tunnel. Okay. Now, if you're already in a cellar, you may enter an adjacent building cellar through a building hexide, except for a row house thing where you can yeah. reach it. So you just go across, you know, from hex to hex under the ground in the cellar, mm -hmm. from cellar room to cellar room, and uh, no line of sight would exist between the row house one now, line of sight from a cellar, because most of your fire is going to be to outside, is treated as entrenched. And I wrote down rule B 9.21. So, you, again, it's cross-referencing the other rules there. Yeah. Do we want to read that now or just... No. I, I just... Kind of like you can't shoot over a wall or hedge when you're entrenched because you're at a lower level. Right. Right. So, treat it as entrenched. So, uh, now, line of sight to an adjacent target is in a normal manner. And I referenced two more rules there. Now the thing about shooting out of a cellar is I'm trying to imagine it as like a cellar doorway like with um, Dorothy, Wizard of Oz. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Annie M, Annie M. Yeah, She's kicking those... on the... Yeah, yeah they were horrible. It's I mean, double doors, right? Yeah, and they, she couldn't get in. She ran back to her bedroom. That scene still terrifies me. I'd hate to be stuck out in the middle of that storm. Wouldn't you, though? Oh, yeah. It was scary. Yeah. So that little, but it's a small cellar entrance. Yeah. So if I had a squad of ten guys in there trying to shoot out, are they all going to be able to cram in that little opening and fire out of there? Yeah, I think so. If they lay down on top of each other, they could. Yeah, if they did that. But since they're not going to do that, oh, their firepower is treated as... Area, area fire. fire, so half firepower, shooting out of a cellar. Yes. Or into a cellar, I would imagine. No. Yeah. Oh, no. Because if I have 60 guys oh, across yeah, right. the street, all, all shooting at that little down. doorway. Okay. Right? They're going to pound it. But, right, so that's a key thing. Hmm. Okay, the cellar's mm -hmm. lower level, and it's firing out as half firepower if you are three, unit size number is three. Remember, unit size number is the number of figures on the counter? Right. So a squad is three, half squad is two. Yeah, if you're greater than or equal to three, you're half. So if you've got a half squad in there, he fires at full. Okay. A hero fires at full, yeah. of course. Yeah. So it's just when you get the full squad. Leaders directing the fire don't count toward that unit size number. Okay. They're just behind them yelling, shoot, shoot better, shoot faster. Yeah. Shoot. yeah. Uh, now when firing into a, oh, unless firing into an adjacent cellar, then it's full power. Because I guess you're in a room like here we are in your, yeah. in your fox big open here. Right. Big open doorways, whatever. Yeah. Um, and then 
and the fire that leaves the building depiction oh that's for the shooting out of the cellar and so if you're firing upstairs you're not your fire's not shooting outside of the building, like right. out the little Annie M cellar door. Yeah. It's firing upstairs like normal fire then. You know how your ground level shoots to your first level? Right. Normal fire, straight up. Yeah. And up and up. So they just have that be the same rule. But you can yeah. shoot out of a cellar to an adjacent hex that's at the ground level. Yep, right outside there. You're, I guess, too, I'm thinking, well, the cellar doors come kind of come up yeah. and out. But there's little windows, too, aren't there, all around the cellars? Yeah, well, could be. I've never been to Stalingrad. Yeah, I haven't either. So if we're firing out of all those little windows, yeah, maybe our firepower's it. halved, okay. and we can see into the street, and we can see beyond. Okay, so you can shoot. As entrenched across the street. Okay. That's where if it's a hedge, I can no longer see over the hedge because yeah. I'm down too low. Right. That's the entrenched rule. Or if it's a wall, you can't see Right. if it's, yeah, okay. Yeah, so that's a good way to, to kind of visualize mm -hmm. it. And then rule 6.6, .6, you can rubble the cellar, and if so, all the other building locations in that X cease to exist. So it's one big collapse, right? Okay. You place a rubble at ground level. All the occupants, weapons, tunnels, manholes in that area are eliminated. Wow. It's no longer a fortified location, and an armor fighting vehicle cannot fall into it anymore. If it's rubbled. Right. Makes sense. Okay. And if the ground level's rubbled, we put a rubble on a cellar counter. Okay? Now, the ground yeah. level is the building part above the cellar. That rubble's in. You put a cellar counter under it to show that the rubble's above the cellar, and the cellar is still okay down there. And then, uh, line of sight outside is blocked. So I was imagining, oh, yes. oh the rubble fell on this little the NEM doors, the NEM. blocked the... <laughs> Block the windows, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so <laughs> I can no longer see outside of that yeah. cellar. I wonder if you're harder to root out of there then. How do you? Yeah. How do you get out? How do you it's get a single, out? Well, it's a multi-hip building level, so you could go to the other side and the other part of the cellar and go. But if out they're both rubbled, yeah, you might get trapped in there. there. Clear its styrals to clear your way out. Oh, clear okay. Rubble. Maybe. Maybe, uh, yeah. And then 6.62. Collapse colored die roll greater than or equal to 4. Oh, for the vehicle. If a vehicle comes on a red barricade cellar, mm -hmm. on the normal rules, it's a greater than or equal to 6, and those rules are only in effect by special rule. Yeah. No, no, no. That was any time. Yeah. Sorry. But in, in red barricades, you you the vehicle falls in if it's greater than or equal to four. Okay. So more vehicles falling into cellars yeah. more often when you enter that hex. That makes it a little frightening to run a tank in there. Yeah. Yeah. No unless, rest. Yep. Unless there's squeeze three squads in the cellar, and you just run your tank in, <laughs> collapse it. They'd be that would rubble the cellar, right? No, no, doesn't rubble it. Oh. Just the vehicle falls in. Hmm. Right. Now, you check for rubble normally when a, a vehicle enters a building. Yeah. Oh, yeah. If you have that zero die roll, you rubble the building okay. when a vehicle goes in. Yes, right. Yeah, so that saying, rule yeah. still applying here. See, now, actually, I would start to forget that again yeah. when I'm playing Red Barricade Cellars because that little rule comes from the basic rule set. Uh-huh. So 
but it's yeah less than or equal to zero on a color dial equals rubbing the building when the vehicle enters. So you're right, it could have an effect. But there's no wreck again in a red barricade cellar. I just want them off the board, but the crew survives. It can scrounge the vehicle and is placed in the cellar this time instead of on the ground floor. Oh, okay. Because you have these cellar counters, and yeah. you can now indicate that they're in the ground. And so the infantry in the hex, enemy infantry, or I guess even your side infantry, take a morale check. And if they fail, we assume that they're broken, although the rule's not totally clear. doesn't say... Uh, they're not eliminated they, anyway. No, they're not. If they fail no. or anything like that. So they would break, and the failure of that would be a die roll, one die, for each support weapon possessed. And if you roll a six, the weapon's crushed and gone, mm, eliminated. Okay. Yeah. And if it's a four or five, it's malfunctioned. Okay. Subject to repair. Okay. And that's what happens in the red barricade cellars as opposed to the normal cellar rules. And upper level rule 6.7 encirclement, you know how if a guy's upstairs and you cut off all the staircases to the upstairs level guys, they're encircled? Yeah. That no longer apply. That does not apply to the cellars. You can cut off all my going upstairs ex ex exits. I'm not encircled. Not encircled. I'm going to fight in those cellars. Okay. Without penalty. Yeah. Yeah. Don't care if I can't get out. I'm still going to hmm. fight. Okay. As, a, you know, typically the Russian, so. Yeah. But. And that's cellars. Wow. That's a lot of it, extra stuff. The cellars rules are long, but, you know, as Bob was pointing out last show, yeah. I think he was he, like, what's the core deal here? Yeah. Core deal here is a vehicle falls in on a four or greater instead of a six or greater. Yeah. Right? And you check the guy's morale checks. If they break, they might lose their weapons. Yeah. And you fire out at half. You know, the rest of the details, oh, rubble will block the line of sight and all that. You look those things up when it happens. Yeah. You might get a question about it or, you know, and it hasn't happened yet. We haven't rubbled a building all game and we're firing 150-millimeter guns. There's probably a Dude. spooky table for rubble. For that we're stuff. Find out. We'll find out when we so, the ridge. So, yeah, really, you know, not quite as creepy yeah. as you think. Yeah, I guess you're right. You can enter it from tunnels and yeah. from sewers and from up and down the stairs. and. Okay. But Great. it's a thorough rule. Yes. Uh, well, I have, a, I have another uh, little bit of terrain, a very small thing, but storage tanks. So there's, assume you've seen storage tanks on the on the map. Plenty of them? Yep. Is there like a refinery or something? Not a whole lot. On there? Not a whole lot of them. Yeah. But this is a factory area. Yeah. So I, I, okay. I don't know what was oh, stored in those sense. things, but... Yeah, well, um, I don't know, and you, don't, you can't find out during the game because you're not allowed to enter the storage tanks. So the storage tanks... You know, they're obviously represented by those circles. Yep. You were going to say something? Well, if there's a rule that they blow up when they're shot at, that would be so maybe cool. they have fuel in them. I was hoping so when I got to storage <laughs> tanks. I thought, oh, this is going to be beautiful. But it's not that beautiful. They're one and a half level obstacles. There is no rooftop. So you can't see through it. Nope. You can't climb up on the roofs on nope. them? Nope. Can't climb up on them. You cannot. You can neither climb nor scale. And you know there's a difference. Between climbing and scaling. Uh, no, I actually did not. Yeah. Well, don't ask me what it is, because okay. I don't remember it. This <laughs> Let's see, I, uh, I may have written it here somewhere. There's a difference. Yep. But I, basically, climbing is um, is going up or down a cliff face, a natural occurring stone, uh, rock. Oh, and scaling is for buildings. Scaling is for buildings and bridges. Oh, okay. Yeah. Man-made structures. So, yeah. Yeah. 
So there, there is neither uh, neither of those on this though. It is concealment terrain though. Interestingly, the storage tanks. Yeah, you because you, know, you wouldn't really think right, so. Right, I'm but thinking it's considered... hard to hide behind it. Yeah. Well, it's not hard to hide the, directly behind it. If you're firing from around the edge. Yeah. Or, yeah, but okay. Um, terrain effect modifier for firing into. Okay. Firing into it, but if a unit is encircled, so if they're in the storage tank hex and they're encircled by enemies then there is no it is not concealment terrain and there's no tem oh so you can't get cover from you can't get both cover. sides you got to be behind the darn thing right for sure yeah, yeah. right yeah. like like a building you could step in the doorway on your side so you're behind a building right you can step into a doorway and now you're in a building getting yes. cover and concealment from any side the enemy comes from right but you can't step into the storage tank no or quickly run around to the other side because no. there's someone on the other side shooting at you anyway. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, and it's not considered a building. So for, for all practical purposes, uh, well, for all rules purposes, anything that applies to a building doesn't apply to a storage tank. It's, you know, it's really a separate thing. And they cannot catch fire. Oh, oh yeah. Disappointing. Yeah. Because I bet they burn real good in real life. Even if they're full of grain. Yeah. I don't know. But they probably did put grain in there. Makes um, me think of witness. Infantry, oh yes. Uh, yeah, I've been seeing there with Harrison the, Ford. The grain silo. Uh, infantry pay, did I say uh? Have I been saying a lot of uhs? You have not. No. Okay, good. Uh, entry, uh, infantry <laughs> pay, <laughs> one movement factor to go in. Uh-huh. Vehicles can only use bypass. vehicle bypass. Okay. They can't go into the house. Takes the big, yeah. So, you know, obviously. So, only vehicle bypass. Guns may not set up or enter hex. Mortars, smaller than 76 or 82 millimeter mortars, may go in and... and into the hex, not the side. Go into the hex, yeah, right. Or tank. They can enter the hex. Um, but nothing bigger than that. Yeah. No, no mortar bigger not than that. Not enough room to put it up there. Right. And that's pretty much it for... Yeah, nice and those, simple things. Yeah. So those are not really good places to be. No, not really. I, I suppose good to uh, run past or to get a, a temporary cover. I wouldn't oh, want to be yeah. sitting around there too long. If I have the open ground or the storage tank, mm -hmm. I'll take the storage tank cover. But Yeah. Yeah. All right, I also have rooftops. Ooh. Step in time over the rooftops. Over the rooftops! Great scene in Mary Poppins, and I bet there's nothing like that in Stalingrad. <laughs> no, step probably time, not. Step in time, step in time. Now you have... Yeah, watch that. Uh, one movement factor to go up or down. Two movement factors to go across a roof. So there's little gables and, and angles and things you could lose your footing on. So think of it that way. Okay. Two movement factors to cross the roof. How do you get to a roof? Up and down. In this case... It's going to be a access point. Oh, it's it going to be in the rules for air barricades now. Yeah, okay. Different from the basic rules. All right. Uh, and so I have those things in here. Okay. Now, this has rooftops have an inherent stairwell to the level below normally, but red barricades changes that. And rule 23.8, by special scenario rule, are rooftops allowed. 
So you can't just use them any game. If it says rooftops are usable, yes. you look at the rooftop rule in the basic game. Again, this, this, these rules apply to any ASL game. They're not on a single-story house, so it mm -hmm. has to be at least a second level or higher. Mm -hmm. They are at the next half-level elevation, which always right. confuses me getting into a half-level yeah, elevation. But I wish <laughs> they wouldn't do that. <laughs> because, the well... All right. Makes so, sense logically, and but I, I I assume these are these are then pitched roofs. These are not flat roofs. That's why I, I think they're two movement points. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. The factory roofs might. Like, yeah. Um, the regular buildings pitched, and so you do get a plus one for height advantage up there. No building traffic modifier applies. You're just on the roof. There's no windows to look out with providing cover or wall right. sections. It's just plus one for height advantage. It's actually open ground also if you have an equal level guy. So shooting from one roof to the other roof, open ground. Open ground. So they're not all that safe. They, they do yeah. give you some line of sight advantages, right? Now, and you can also, well, fire uh, mortars from up there for red barricades for sure. Hmm. Now, you cannot fortify that location. It's concealment terrain at setup. Ah. So there's a little benefit, too. It is concealment terrain, it's set up, but they want you to start playing. If anyone has a line of sight over there to them, they, they don't have concealment anymore. Yeah. It does, it does not make a building a higher level obstacle to line of sight. Oh, that was my note on the um, half level above. It's confusing, but a half level above a rooftops doesn't suddenly make the building a higher level obstacle to line of sight. Okay, so what, so if you're calculating uh, blind hexes, yes. for instance, for line of sight, it doesn't add any more to it so that you're getting additional blind hexes. Correct. Okay. And I think that's why they call it a half level. Yeah. So I think of a lot of um, attics, right? They're very small right. things you're climbing around yeah. in. Yeah, they're not full. They're not 8 foot, 10 foot, you know, Story 10, buildings. 12 foot ceilings. Yeah, and yeah. you're up even bigger. Yeah. You're right, I think. Yeah. And so there's no rally bonus up there for you. Lose a lot of benefits mm. as opposed to being in a building. It's not a building location for route or for victory conditions. And guns. Oh, that's interesting. It's not for victory conditions. So if you have to take, if you have to control a building. Yeah, thank you. You don't have to control the rooftop. Uh, roof Correct. access necessarily. Go through every location. If yeah. they're cleared, then you secure control ah, of that building. Okay. Keep going. Guns. The dog wants to come down. Oh, we can allow that. We... Yeah. There's no 5 8 inch guns up there. No 5 8 inch counters. Except for a mortar. Less than or equal to 82 millimeters. So even the big mortars can go up on the roofs. And you have these in Red Barricades. The last bit, at least, as I'm talking about here. Not a really little campaign game. The big mortars can go up there. But it can't be emplaced on a roof. Can't dig it in, no sandbags up there, and no roof rubbling. Okay, so if you get a rubble affection at the roof, you apply it to the location below it. There's just no rubbling the attic. Yeah, this okay. You hit the roof, it counts as the level below it, and it rubbles yeah. like that. Okay. All right, and that is the basic rooftop rules. And then there's some... Modifications. Well, they get complicated when you have these factories, and I'll I'll get into that a little later as we go through things. So that's rooftops. Okay. Good. 
Well, that's a lot of terrain. Now let's get to something good that makes go bang, bang, and burn up stuff. Uh, I'm going to cover uh, rules on the Molotov projector. Ah, yes. Now, now those we're, we're looking at in our game a lot. Yeah, this is this is an interesting thing. I, I'd actually never heard of this before, which, you know, it's 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 really not that unusual. I'm not that smart. I haven't either until they came out in the game. Yeah. And I did a lot of reading on World War II beforehand. And if you look up, they call it a mall projector, and if you look up mall projector, you get a lot of, uh, on Google, you get a lot of uh, stuff back from about advanced squad leader. But if you look up Molotov projector, you can you find some things stuff? about it. Yeah, some historical stuff. So I did find an interesting uh, website that actually has some pictures here. And it, it's, you know, Molotov projector is another name for something that is actually an ampulomet. Ampulomet. I may not be saying that exactly correct, but that's that's what they were called. It was designed by uh, Kartikoff and uh, called a Molotov projector. And it is... Uh, that short little tube thing. Mm -hmm. And it's uh, a mortar-type weapon, 127 millimeter cal uh, caliber, a barrel length of 845 millimeters, and a weight of 26 kilograms, capable of throwing eight specially designed incendiary projectiles, projectiles called ampules. Uh, eight of those a minute, up to 400 meters. That's a great picture here. Well, are they not just bottles like Moltos? No. I, I thought you just dropped Moltos <laughs> into the tube. <laughs> yeah. And lit the little flame thing, and it shot it further than you could normally shoot it. That, you would think that that's what it is. This I is did. a lot more elaborate than that. Wow. Yeah. So actually, the, and, and I'll we'll put this in the uh, the show notes, they actually show a picture here of one of the ampules. It's a round thing, and it's, like Santa you know, it's Claus. manufactured. It's, it's not just a beer bottle with gasoline in it. Right. That's what I thought it was. Sock. So, uh, yeah, quite fascinating, these things. So... And it must have been used with some effect in uh, in the battle for Stalingrad, or they wouldn't have bothered putting it in red barricades. Look at that. So this is a crude weapon. Must have a... a yeah, I have little 127s firing yeah. them. Okay. Um, I've forgotten it has to be a crew, but yeah. You can also use... So let me just say, it's crude. It's two-port... Uh, crude, I don't mean crude as in... Lewd, yeah. lascivious. Yes. Two portage points... It's a light, it's considered a light anti-tank weapon, and it is considered ordnance. It is not considered a support weapon. Yes, it rolls a hit number. It does. And when you use it, you cannot combine it in a fire group or combine it with uh, small arms fire that the, that the crew may have or, or that whoever's firing it may have. You cannot include that. Separate shot. Because it's ordnance. Yeah. yeah, it's a separate shot. Yeah, for firepower, yeah. So, a uh, Russian crew or two Russian single-man counters are considered qualified users. If somebody else picks it up, they are not user, and they have to pay the penalties that go along with being not qualified users. All right, I'll have to protect my crews with them. Yes. For sure. Um, if it's two single-man counters, they cannot direct fire of anything else. If they're firing this thing, they cannot imply their modifiers to it. So they're pretty preoccupied and they're they can't very direct their own fire like normal. That's right. Their own modifiers don't apply and they can't apply their modifiers to anything to else. Themselves to, or, yeah. It is not a shaped charged weapon like a Piat or a Bazooka, Panzerfaust or Panzer Shrek. 
Right. It's just that roundy thing. Right. Like Santa Claus. Come Santa Claus here, come Santa Claus right down Santa Claus Lane. Blixin and Blixin and all his reindeers pulling on the reins. Bells are ringing, children singing, all is merry and bright. So hang your stockings and say your prayers, cause Santa Claus comes tonight. And it, it there's no backblast for it, which is nice. I love these kind of weapons yes. that don't have backblast, like too. the Piat. Uh -huh. I think that's a beautiful thing. Yep. Because I hate the backblast. Uh -huh. It makes me afraid of bazookas. Okay, Whenever I, I get a bazooka, I'm afraid of I it. I just brought two Molotov projectile thingies right next to Dave's... Well, not right next. I wish I was right next, but within range of Dave's big 150mm cannon tank. So, And I've shot twice a miss, but I'm going to hit next phase, I almost promise you. I hope you're hitting uh, from behind him. No. Oh, shoot. Front and side. All right. Well, we'll get so to that. Keep going. Yeah. Tell me why I should move. Go ahead. Uh, it does not fire. It does not fire high explosive anti tank rounds. Yeah. These are just HE. Uh, it must be. F um, it may be a fired. Flame. Right. Yeah. It may be fired from a building, a roof, or a pillbox. Oh, it's got. It doesn't have the same restrictions as some other weapons do, because it's portable. You know, you can get it up to a roof. Yeah, with no back blast, and right. yeah, I guess the ammo doesn't fall out if you look down like the Piat. Right. Now, interestingly, about this is after the after the effect of the the thing going off, it leaves smoke, and uh, because of that, yes, you have to fire it before you fire other weapons because it leaves smoke. Whoops! <laughs> Just it it follows the same rules as if you were fine. Firing any okay. kind of smoke. Guess who hasn't been doing that during yeah. their whole last bid game. So if you're firing it <laughs> during the, the prep fire phase or defensive fire phase, you yeah. have to fire it before yeah. you fire any kind of a, other kind of ammunition. Okay. Now I know board. Tom left the smoke. Oh, I missed mine, so I didn't get hits yet. Right. Okay. So not a big deal, but can be significant, mm -hmm. you know, as you're going along. Um, never has any leadership modifier. The target can be of different elevations. Yeah. No problem. Um, there's no bore sighting with it, no acquisition, no intensive fire, no sustained fire. All right, much like a lot of other yeah. tank weapons. Critical hit, if you want a critical hit with it, got to roll a two. A snake eyes on the to hit roll? Okay. Yes, and that will double the fire effect of it. Okay, and the to kill number, right. Mm -hmm. Right. Like a Molotov, the, the effect of it is very much like a Molotov attack, but since it is ordnance, it can't be accompanied by small arms fire, as I mentioned before. Yes. It has to be fired on its own. Now, if you're firing against an AFV, it's very much the same as a Molotov, except there are two modifiers. It's a plus one if it's against an open-top vehicle. And, man, that would be nasty getting hit with one of these yes. in an open-top vehicle. Also a plus one if you're uh, firing against the rear target facing of the vehicle. Okay. Those are the only Don't two you get. Don't know why, but maybe the... Engine compartments in the back? Maybe a little more venting, vulnerable to more this venting kind of... and stuff yeah, for possibly. the flame to go into or something? Right. All right. So plus one from the rear to the kill number and plus one to open top. Right. And again, uh, for a critical, it's uh, two times the normal damage. Yep. Or kill number. Exactly. And causes uh, a hit on a vehicle also, also causes a four firepower uh, specific collateral attack versus any passengers, riders, or or crew that are on the vehicle, honoring the vehicle. 
So they get hit. And that's from the, that collateral. Yeah, the normal four firepower attack against infantry would apply. Okay. Right, and, and like a lot of these weapons, if you're going to shoot into a hex that contains an AFV and squads, you have to specifically say what you're going for. Are you going against the infantry, or are you going for the AFV? All right, for the hit number. Yes. Mm -hmm. Now, if you're going against an unarmored vehicle, which would be cruel, but sometimes <laughs> you've got to be cruel to win. <laughs> cruel to be kind. Yeah. Or a partially armored vehicle hit on, on the unarmored aspect of it. Yep. You attack on the star vehicle line of the IFT using a kill number of nine. Yes, nine's a nice number. Nine's a good number. And a critical hit doubles this kill number to 18. Yeah. So okay. obviously it's going to be very effective against an unarmored vehicle. Versus infantry or a gun, its effects exactly as if it was hit by a four firepower HE attack. Okay. And a critical hit would cause an eight firepower yeah, doubling, attack. as you said. Okay. Yes. With the usual um, reverse TEM. For that critical right hit. right so right. the plus three or whatever becomes a minus three on it. yeah to a randomly selected unit within the yes. stack right versus the gun it eliminates the gun and the man in infantry infantry okay versus terrain a molotov projector hit can cause a flame in burnable terrain and tom has been trying that in fact he did set a building ablaze you know he always uh, kind of struck me as a, a kind pyro. of pyro guy yes well it was recommended as a tactic and one thing I'm learning is it's not easy to set the fires. It's wet at, at, at this point, for the last bit at least. Oh, it is? It's wet. Uh, it's not worth your time for a squad. But the Molthoff can do it in two ways. One to roll the one, I think, on the oh, to hit roll. Right. And one to roll a six in your own hex if you're willing to set that on fire. Right. So the Molthoff projector increases those odds. Yes, um, it uses the colored die roll of the to hit die. An original six die roll has no adverse effect. Oh, I thought it said it in your own hex. No. So it's only the one. It's only the one? Yes. All right, I got that from someone else's article about Molotov projectors. The one in six made it a 33 and a third chance, so I'm going to have to I didn't double check the rule. Yeah. Thank you for clarifying that. And as we said before, it leaves smoke. And what it leaves is a white dispersed smoke counter. Yeah, plus two. So yeah, it's a plus two. Okay. The mall projector can malfunction <coughs> on an original die roll of 11 and breaks on a, uh, gets eliminated on a 12. And that's what scares me from trying to use it against infantry. I think we're going to need them against the tanks coming in to the last bit. Because mm -hmm. you don't have much else against those tanks. We have a lot of guns that are around, but getting the line of sight shots and have them not being discovered already needed against infantry is tough. Yeah. And the Molotovs are really mobile. Yes. Just run with them. Yeah, you just run with them. And everybody's got them. Yeah, we have, I think I have three or four in the last bid. So it's not a whole lot per, you know, number of infantry, but yeah, it's a lot to have on one side of the battle. Yeah. The projectors, if you roll the X number, if you roll a 12, creates a flame if it, if you're in burnable terrain. Oh, that's the flame. Oh, yes. okay. It's not a, on a 6. It's on the boxcars malfunctioning. That's right. Happen. And, of course, the break number and the elimination number 
are lowered if it's being used by an experienced or unqualified Fine. use. Trooper, right. Yes. Right, I think that flame on a six applies to regular Molotovs. Yes. We have a more of a chance of screwing up light in the bottle with the wick in it. Yeah. Rather than the projector, which and is you swing your arm way back to get a good <laughs> so wind up, and you spill out. the gas out on your arm. I was thinking suddenly... they must pack it really tight in the top. Well, I, I hope so. How that works. Yeah, but it probably comes flopping out at some point. And yeah, they're dangerous. Yeah, why we don't use them at home? <laughs> yes, even against roaches and those kinds of things. Yeah. we don't. So there we go. Very interesting weapon that I really didn't know anything about. Yeah, and so far I'd say it's, it was frustrating at first. I couldn't get them anywhere to do anything. Tom got a flame started with his uh, in, in terrain that the Germans need to take to come and get us. Mm -hmm. And now, like I said, I'm sitting right across from a big old tank. Oh, I, you'll have to let us know next time how that turns if out. If I was able to take one out, yeah, I'll probably roll boxcars on both of them no, and set myself on no, fire. No, 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 no. Okay, that's enough for tonight. Nope, we have debris. Oh no, debris! Yeah. Yeah, we don't want to leave with we don't want to leave the debris hanging. No, we don't. And the debris is depicted on the Red Barricade's board as this really thin gray stuff. So any brown stuff you see looking like rubble is rubble. It's only the thin, thin gray, real clear from stone rubble, because often the players will go, Oh, isn't this like wooden debris? No, that's rubble. But okay, so the artwork could have been a little better showing the brown oh, rubble. Yes. Where it doesn't look like a debris, but because it's brown, it's not debris. That's the rule of the go gray by. is debris. The gray. Now, that's inherent terrain fills the hex. It's concealment terrain. Not as good as rubble, but, I mean, you can hide in it. Yeah, so nice. lay down behind these beams, whatever's laying out in the yeah. street. Plus one terrain effect modifier to shoot into it, so Thank better you. than open ground. Plus one hindrance. You get several hexes of this debris going off between factories. Really screws up the shot, you know. Plus three for the building, plus four if it's fortified, add a couple more for debris. Suddenly there's no shot. I'm not taking it. Yeah. 12 shot up six, right? Right. So. Well, uh, up six is the limit, isn't it? Anything above oh, that is not a shot. Well, that's only if it's hindrances. So if you had oh, smoke, okay. smoke, and debris, which is a hindrance, right, that's going to yes. block it, but yeah. not the building side. Yes, okay. Right. Then it's a movement factor in addition to the normal cost of training to go through because you got to dodge this. You know, you know those football players are running uh, in practice and they're running on those little ladders and they're trying to jump in between the little things. Yes, yes. Oh, yes, I do. I know exactly what you're talking okay. about. It's going to cost them an extra movement factor to do that joggy run jumping thing around the obstacles in the hex. Uh, you paint a vivid picture. <laughs> you can... Fortify these things. No kidding. Struck me as odd. Debris. You can debris. fortify debris. Fortifiable. You I cannot... just like saying debris. There's it is fun, isn't it? it? Yeah, debris. And you may not burn it. Now, fully tracked vehicle. Here's the rub. It has to pay a quarter of the movement points and take a bog at plus one, plus an additional one if it's in a factory for the normal factory benches and things that we talked about earlier. Yeah. And that Because those get benches. You. Those benches. They'll get you every time. They will stop your Tell you, so the vehicles in the last bid are have the high ground pressure. Okay. A lot They're big them. tanks. Yeah, like like um, Tom's amazing. Because I'll be, I'll be, we'll be going along and I'll say, well, those tanks with the 150 ammo, I say, must have the high ground pressure because the ammo weighs so much. The vehicle will push into the ground easier. You would think. And Tom's like, 
Well, partially, but actually they built that Panzer V6251 on top of a chassis from a Panzer 326, which was actually the really narrow treads, and so that was the fault with those vehicles. They couldn't have... He knows all this stuff, which is really cool. So these vehicles bog plus two for the ground pressure plus one for the debris. One man's cool is another man's annoying. <laughs> or nerdy. Yeah. <laughs> So if you roll a 9 or more, that's bog, right? 9 plus 3 is 12. Yeah. So they've bogged several. Now, you can free yourself from bog. It's a topic for another day. Yeah. Um, the debris cancels out your dashing across the road. If you run too quick like that, you'll trip. You have to go slow like the football players through the through the netting on the so ground. So you can't dash from a building to debris. Through debris. Saying. Through through debris. Debris on the road in between the two buildings. Oh, okay. You can't dash through. Okay. Yep. Yes. It's going to slow you down. Right. You could swing. You could swing oh, over it. Yes. At normal speed. Yes. There's no road bonus. Uh, yes. With the normal clearance rules. Hmm. How do you do that? I, well, I don't mean how do you That's do that. That's a topic how do you, for another time. Yes. How would you designate? Do you happen to know how you yeah, designate when it's been cleared? It's either the prep fire. Yeah, you lay a trail break through it. Oh, okay. CB. Okay. You know? Right. Okay. And they can go straight across or yeah. they can curve. And you do that with the normal clearance rules. Okay. Now, the difference between rubble and debris is if there's a manhole cover, a little circle in the, depicted on the board. I can't wait till I see my wife and tell her there's a difference between rubble and debris. Oh, yes. The manholes are usable with the debris, so you can lift up that sewer cover, oh, yes. slide it over, and still come out through but the But not debris. with rubble. Not with rubble. Okay. Um, and there you go. That was quick. And that was quick. Painless, yeah. So should I start factories a little longer? Sure, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the factories themselves, now you had your basic rules with factories in, yeah. in, this, in the normal Advanced Squad Leader rulebook. It's a two-and-a-half level obstacle if it has a printed stairwell in it, or a one-and-a-half if not. Now on the Red Barricades map, look for that, because some of these big factories have the printed stairwell symbol, the white Yes, the white square. square mm -hmm. And some don't. And we missed that to start with entirely. Uh, there are no upper floors in a factory. And there's no cellars in these big ones, as we said. A half level plus one hindrance per hex. Don't know what I meant by that, but it's okay. We'll keep going. Uh, it's a plus one hindrance per hex. And it's a plus one TEM to shots from in the factory. Now, there I have the rule I went wrong. Uh, because, again, those benches and things are in the factory. That's the plus one. And it's a hindrance to shoot through each hex. So yes. shooting through three of those bench hexes. <laughs> it's always benches. I don't know. What else is in a factory? Or machines. Bench. Machines. Oh, yeah. Little little machines. Or big machines. Machines probably of all kinds. Some, some mice. Uh, probably mice. Yeah. Factory mice. Yeah. Uh, cookies. If that it's are left a, over from the workers? Well, I mean, if it's a cookie factory, there's going to be oh, cookies Oh, a lot of cookies. Boxes of cookies. You yes. have to shoot through the boxes of the product. There you go. Indirect fire does not pay the plus one for the fortification. Actually, we've been playing that as a plus two. Indirect fire does not pay the plus one. Oh, fortified. Okay. For the it's going to be dropping in from an angle. Yeah. Not straight through, I guess. Yeah. Now, for resolving it over the cookies. Yes, over yeah. the cookies. For residual firepower, the building traffic modifier applies if you enter from outside of a building, which is logical. Yes. A factory has a plus one, applies if entering from within the factory for residual. So 
Your residual sits in the hex along a wall in a factory? Yeah. That's a residual of two. And normally that's a plus what for residual firepower? It's always the two plus the train. Yes. That's where they're saying if you're moving ah, within the factory, you pay just the plus one. The plus one. If you're moving in from outside, you get a better bonus against the residual. Okay. That doesn't matter where it came from. That's yes. It's too complicated. Yeah. It's shot to lay the resid, right? Now, there's one movement factor per factory hex within the factory, again, not coming in from outside. And an armor fighting vehicle fully tracked, again, pays a quarter of its move and the plus one bog, similar to the debris. Yes. Right? Mm -hmm. So we're kind of treating that as a similar thing. Boxes of cookies, the workbench, the mouse. you got to get around all these things. All kinds of things. So it's a quarter move wow. and a plus one to bog. Uh, exit of an armor fighting vehicle just pays normal building costs in a building hex to exit. And you check for bog before exiting. So if you fail your bog check in the building as you're leaving it, you get stuck in the building hex. Yeah. Um, exception would be a stairwell, and I forgot what that meant, but also a road vehicle entrance. These big factories on red barricades have roads that come toward them, into them, into the buildings. Oh, yes. Those are vehicle entrances. I think that may be the basic rule, too. I think so, yeah. Yeah. So if you change your vehicle-covered arc within a factory over the boxes, mice, and workbenches, mm -hmm. it's a bog check. Okay. Yep. Can't just turn... Yeah, wow. Now, those vehicle entrances where the road comes into the factory, they're wide openings. Uh, it can't be blocked by an immobile vehicle in the way. It okay. still counts as an open, big entrance. Just like a road. Yeah, except I would imagine like you, you have a, an extra one or something. A, yeah, and a, and a bridge, you know, can get blocked and so on. Yeah. So, now, any unit uses open ground cost if you're entering through this nice big opening. Mm hmm. From the outside, and it does not negate the factory's TEM, though. So even though it's a nice big opening, you still get the cover. Okay. Let's assume you're going in toward the edge. Yeah. Now, that's the normal factory rules, actually. Now, the red barricade rules, so, yeah, that was normal, add some more stuff. The ones with the roads into them are the factories. That's how you tell what a factory is, if it has a road going in. Okay. On Red Barricade. Yeah. Uh, special scenario rule for a normal game of ASL. Interior walls exist, these black bars, within the factories. They go from the floor to the roof, and they block your line of sight. You can breach through them, and uh, they if you're shooting from a higher level, it, it can cause blind hexes like a normal wall or building edge. Yeah, okay. Now you can move route in advance and withdraw only outside of a vertex of a black wall, just like the row houses you mentioned earlier. So these things can screw up the movement within the factory. I was trying to advance through a black wall, really, really wanted to, illegal, I can't do it. Huh. So I have to move around the little wall, advance back into the other side of it, uh, unless you breach it. Yeah. Right? Now breaching it, you take a demolition charge. Interior wall. This is a normal rule, B23.711. I added it in here for our plane of the game. So we mm -hmm. always have it accessible right here in my cheat sheet. Uh, you take your DC, a movement, one movement factor to place it against the wall. It attacks that hexite only. And greater than or equal to a normal morale check equals a breach. 
and it attacks the units on the other side as area fire. Oh, wow. With the terrain effect modifier, which Bob was saying was a great tactic with interior walls. Yeah. Hit it with the DC, you get the hit on the enemy, and then you have a flamethrower guy next. Well, and, and he the, advance fires in. And the, the DC attacks them at half, so like 18? Yeah, instead of uh, 30. Yeah, uh, instead of... Be 12. It's normally Maybe it's a 30 12. shot. Oh, it's a 30 oh. shot. Okay. Yeah, okay. yeah. Yeah, so it would go to 12. Yeah. Right. But still, yeah, that's that's amazing. Yeah, and especially when you have the flamethrower guy. Yes, yeah, advancing right fire through next. Right. Or yeah. Iron Man. Or Iron Man yeah. coming through. Now, an armor-finding vehicle can also drive through this interior wall without a bog if there's a breach in there. Ah, okay. So you get the little breach going, and you can ram a tank through this hole. I'm sure it just makes it bigger as it comes through. Yeah. And, and will not have to bog. Sweet. So that's kind of cool. All movement points are used without this bogging, or without bogging. And if it bogs, it stays in the hex. Oh, so I'm sorry, movement points to get the non-bog situation. There's no underbelly shot against it. It's just coming flat through. No riders can be on it because they'll get knocked off Right. through the breach hole. And thereafter, you can move through this wall normally. Right, because there's a breach through there. Now, firepower through this breach is treated as if you're shooting out of a small opening, like a... Like in the cellars. Yes. So, half, half, for, firepower a, uh, half for, firepower for a full squad. Correct. Greater than or equal to three unit size, technically, but yeah. right. And only one gun can shoot through it per game turn, so you can't fire a bunch of guns through it. And only... Hmm. Greater than, yeah, because if they're in different locations shooting through it, yeah, so you I think, think if they wouldn't... were lined up behind each other, but yeah, that shouldn't matter. Yeah. But my note says only one gun shoots through per game turn. Well, I wouldn't want to go against your note. <laughs> only, well, they could be wrong, but I was pretty sure they're right. And only less than or equal to five unit size numbers of units may pass through it in a phase. Oh. Think about that. You've got some limitation there on moving through the breach. Yeah. And that makes sense. Yeah, it's so small that... Yeah, you just only... can't jam that many guys through there unless you unless you grind them up. <laughs> and then they wouldn't help you much. So only five unit size number. That's a squad and a half squad. squad. Man, yeah. Or a squad and leaders, a couple leaders. Probably. Yeah. Us, I mean, leaders don't. They count for one anything. unit size. Do they? Yeah. Oh, they do. They're not portage weight. They never count for anything. Unit size, not much, but unit size is one. I'm pretty sure of it. The number to pick that on the counter. But we'll have to double check. Yeah. So double check that, listeners at home. And then call us. Yes. And then should I finish up my page here and be done? Or then back to you? Roofless hexes. Now you have these giant factories. All right? Yeah. You have hexes that contain debris inside the factory. That's the roof that collapsed. Oh. So you'll either see a roof, and it's hard to tell. you got to look closely, but there's flat roofs with little gables. Then there's debris inside a factory. Yeah. It's not saying the debris inside with a roof. It's a collapsed roof. It's a collapsed roof. So there's no roof in, then, that, in location. that location. Right. In that, no, in that hex. In that hex. Right. Yeah, yeah hex location. Right. right. And it, you can't clear this debris ever. It's outside, outside shots in. Uh, counts just the building terrain effect modifier, not the debris. Uh, indirect and direct fire trace within the factory 
get the normal plus one for the cookies and the mouse and the bench. Right. And an extra plus one for the debris. For the debris. Right. It's cumulative. The train effect modifier and hindrances are cumulative per hex. It could be two and a hex, right? The benches and the debris. And it costs two movement factors to move through because you got the benches and the debris. Right. Pretty logical and, and simple here. And the cookies. Uh, there's no wind inside the factory, even if it's roofless. Original smoke source would drift. Check the rules for that. And rule 5.45, indirect fire may spot on the roof and may fire out of a roofless building. So the cool thing about roofless buildings is Whoa. you can have an adjacent roof sector. Your spotter's up there. Yeah. Your mortar's inside the factory, roofless. And because he's up at that high elevation, two and a half or one and a half for each factory, it gives him a little better line of sight there in the Red Barricade yeah. map board. Yeah, he's a and spotter. You can, so you can fire your mortar through Out the hole that, in the roof. Through that big hole in the roof. Right. Wow. And Which always seems like a great idea to me, but the plus two for the spot. Spotting, just, you lose a rate just, of fire. Oh, mm -hmm. I always want to use it. I always try to use it, and then... No effect. Yeah, sometimes it does. But, it's not worth it. Yeah, I think you're right. But it, it might be worth it in that, in red barricades. Something to keep in mind. Yeah, and here's where it clarifies: units in a roofless factory get a plus two TEM to indirect fire coming in. They don't have the roof for the extra plus protection. Right. And we've been playing it that way, so now that confirms that we're doing that part right. And it can be rubbled, and a gutted factory. May never catch fire. It's roofless, and all walls still exist unless they're rubbled. Those are burnt-out factory buildings. Right. So you'll watch your special rules in Red Barricades. It says, this factory's gutted. This one's gutted. Mark them with a gutted counter. Mm. They give you these little gutted counters oh, to use. gutted counter. Yeah. Sweet. So remember, then that can't burn. It doesn't have a roof in the whole yeah. thing. Right. Even if the depiction shows a roof. So we had originally set up the Germans on some roofs, and then we found that gutted rule. Like before, just before we started playing, so we let the Germans shift everyone around a little, and you know, go from there. Yeah. And my last notes: guns, rule five point six. All categories of guns may set up in a factory. You can use the benefits of vehicle entrance to push your gun in and out of the factory. No matter the road going in, right, gives you good benefits to go in. It's less, it's less uh, easier to push it in. Yeah. Through the road. And you can enter other factory hexes if pushed, and you just pay the building entry movement factor cost and the factory TEM. And you can not move a gun into or out of a fortified hex, though. Huh. So if you fortify a hex in Red Barricades, that gun is there for the game, right? You cannot move a gun into or out of a fortified hex. All right. You've built up too much protection around it. Yeah. It ain't moving. Wow. And that completes the Red Barricade. Hey, well Do you have the one more thing for No, it? that was it. That was it for your end? Yeah. All right, that really covers all of them. Some basic rules and some Red Barricade rules. Again, I mentioned Red Barricades, but I'm playing Last Bid. Um, lots of little scenarios come with the Red Barricades game that you can play. I remember the maybe the Bread Factory, things like this. So get your feet wet playing those, and then try a campaign game. And then let us know. How it goes. Yeah, that's great. All great information. Well, very good, Dave. So, mega terrain time, but it's, it's kind of the Red Barricade show. Yeah, it's a good show.
It was a good show. I think we'll end here. We'll end here. We've gone on for an hour and 35 minutes. So. A little longer than we thought, but... Yeah, good stuff. All right, Dave, thanks. We'll sign off and say... Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll see you next time. Remember to... Roll low. And rally well. But, but not, not when, when you're, you're playing, playing us. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye. playing the last bit. I can't even. Really it's taking forever. Yeah. Oh, and that's kind of a long period for you, I think. Yeah, I like right? one to night play for six hours. Six hours. Oh, step on. Come on. Yeah, okay.